are never alone. He's there with you, he's for you, and he's going to bring you through. Amen? God is so good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, before you're seated, if you would just greet some of the folks around you. Welcome them. We're glad you're all here. How many of you agree that uh, your identity is an important thing? Right? I had a strange thing happen this week. I had a notification that uh, my identity was being stolen. <coughs> I don't know where they were going with it, but... <coughs> you know, I immediately started to get nervous. Now, the truth is, I started to panic. <laughs> and uh, it, was, it was interesting because in my mind, I was, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? What does this mean? All sorts of thoughts flew through my mind. I mean, faster than I can think. And it just happened, <clears throat> just one after another. And then I remember... I'm not supposed to just do what I can do. I need to check with God and, and let him make sure that he's my first reference, my first resource. And so I stopped for a second. I said, okay, Lord, you know what's going on. What, what do I need to know about this? And all of a sudden, this peace just flooded me. And I waited for a little bit and then... Um, called some people to find out some information and found out that this is, I don't know exactly what they called it, a phishing, something, somebody was phishing to try and get information, hadn't had it yet. And, uh, and I thought, God, you're so good. Here I am just running off and you fill me full of peace and you direct my steps and I don't have to be afraid. And you know, we sang that today, I don't have to be afraid. And God doesn't want us afraid. God doesn't want any of us afraid. But we live in a fear-filled world. I mean, you don't have to look very far or in, in any certain direction to find things to be stressed about or concerned about. And, and uh, that's why I believe that God has uh, me sharing with us about hope, being hope-filled. Because we're going to be filled with something. And if we don't make the determination, decision to intentionally be filled with, with God, with the truth, with peace, with joy, with confidence in this world that is very unstable. And we can't have confidence in the world that we live in, but we can have confidence in the God who is with us in the world that we live in. And uh, so in, in just realizing that God is setting us up, and he always is. You know, that's not always a good thing when you hear, well, somebody's trying to set you up because we don't know exactly what their motivation is behind that setup. Who, who's going to gain by this setup? 
But when we know God is setting us up, we know that God has for us to gain. Because when we gain, we can bring that gain to other people and we can bring glory to God. And, and so God's been setting us up to be able to be secure and, and, and uh, strong and solid in a very rapidly changing world. And, and that's why we've been learning about hope. And in Romans 15, 13, uh, one of the foundational scriptures, it says that the God of hope will fill you May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, <clears throat> Becky, again, God was using Becky to set us up. What was the scripture that Becky shared with us to encourage us today with? I hope you remember just that few minutes ago. It's not about you, Becky. It's about <laughs> what everybody else is thinking about that's pushing that stuff out. But... Uh, yeah, Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is our what? Strength. We don't have to be afraid. But we can be afraid. Fear will come at you multiple times through a day. But we determine as gatekeepers whether we're going to let the fear get in us. And if we have an awareness of who God is, what he's promised who we are, then we can stand at the gate and say, no, that's not mine. God's not given you a spirit of what? Fear, but one of power and love and a sound mind. And so this joy, which is our strength, God's going to fill you. The God of hope will fill you. And that word fill means to supply or furnish. But just like if there's a supply, you got to go to the supply. You've got to receive the supply. God has a supply for every one of us. How many of you know that supply is way more than you could ever imagine, dream of, or even use? Jesus came to give you what kind of life? Abundant, overflowing. That's who God is. God always does more than enough. Always more than we could ever imagine or dream. And, and so when we look at this, when he, he supplies it, it's more than we need, but it's what God has for us so that he'll meet our needs, but use that to go through us to meet the needs of others, to minister and impact other people. That's what God has for all of us because he said it's more blessed to give than receive. So God's going to give you. But just like he told Abraham, I'm going to bless you, but in blessing you, I'm going to make you a blessing to all the people of the earth. God wants you to be a blessing to all the people that you come in contact with to point towards him. So he, the God of hope will fill you with all joy and peace. Uh, that peace is a security, a stability in believing. you got to believe. He's got it there. He's providing it, but you have to believe it and receive it. And then you can become what God says you can be and do what God says you can do. That you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. There's a part that God has. He, he fills you. He provides that hope, that joy, and that peace. You and I have to believe, but then coming behind us. God goes before us, but he also comes behind us. It's by the power of his Spirit that it continues to occur as he continues to remind us of who God is and what he's promised. And so... We can have hope in these days that seem very dark and very hopeless, very, very questionable because the hope that God 
is is not a questionable outcome. God, God, you never have to question what's going to happen if God's involved. You may not know how it's going to happen, but you know exactly, not in specifics, what's going to happen, but how is it going to turn out? God's going to work all things out for what? You're scaring me this morning. Yeah, we, we, we sang it. God's going to work all these things out for good. So why would we ever have to be anxious or stressed or fearful if we believe what the Word of God says? We don't. But see, that's where, that's where we have to be very aware of the difference between information, where, where the Word of God gets into our minds, but it doesn't move to our hearts where it becomes a part of our lives. It is so ingrained in our lives, it becomes a part of us, and that's where transformation occurs. I was talking to, uh, to Pastor Warren Collins. Uh, some of you know him. Uh, we refer, I refer to him, and he refers to me as our twin. Uh, we were born on the same day, not the same year. He's much older than me. <laughs> no, he's not. He's a little bit older than me. Um, but... Uh, he was talking about what he is teaching and how he's teaching that the greatest distance of 18 inches. And, and that distance is when God's word moves from our head to our heart. It becomes no longer information, but it becomes revelation that brings transformation to our lives. And that's what God has for all of us. We, we have so much access to God's word. And, and opportunities to learn and, and to grow and, and to study and to uh, become more knowledgeable about the Word of God and about God Himself. But the work really comes after we get the information. Okay? The information is just that. But now we have to build it into us that it, it truly becomes a part of us that our lives now adjust to the truth of God's word that we heard, but we need to incorporate in our lives. And so the God of hope will fill you with all joy and peace in believing. And so this, this hope that God has will give way to strength and security, the joy and the peace, and will abound to even more hope and we're not going to look at it, but First Peter uh, chapter 3, verse 15, uh, Peter tells us that, that people are going to be asking you this peace, this hope, this joy and peace from hope, this confident expectation of God, of good, is going to be so apparent, so evident in your lives. The people that don't know you or people that do know you are going to question you as to why do you have this hope? And you and I have to be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks us. And so this indicates that there should be people asking us, wondering, why are you different? Why do you have this hope? Why do you have this peace? Why do you have this joy when everything around us we hear is not good? Because we're in this world, but we're not of this world. We're not looking to the government or the economy or any of the things that this world has to offer to sustain our lives. Where does our life come from? 
Yes, that's the right answer, God. And if God's the one that is the one that gives us life, that protects us, provides for us, uh, empowers us, that guides us and governs us and guards us, then why are we concerned when things around us start coming apart? Does that change who God is? No, absolutely not. It doesn't. And so we've got to really be aware. I'm becoming more and more aware of my, what my reactions are and how it relates to what I say I believe. If I say I believe that God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, then why would I ever get anxious about a need that's not yet met? That, that in itself is me questioning, is God going to be faithful to what he said? Do you see that? And it's, it's sobering. It's, it hurts my heart when I realize, oh, yeah, I know what you are. I know who you are. I know what you've said. I know your promises. I know you're faithful. You're not a man that you should lie. And yet... I have a promise, and I have a problem. And do I look at my problem and have more confidence in my problem, or do I have more confidence in the promise of God? And it's a fight. I'm not, I don't want to cause you to think that this is an easy thing. It's not. Um, but I will tell you that it is worth the fight. It is worth the work. Because what happens is, is we, as we recognize, okay, this is what's being presented to me. This, was, this is what's coming at me. This is the opposition. This is the obstacle. But I quickly shift, not denying that, but I quickly shift to look and say, but I'm not alone in this. And, and I have this confidence that God's with me. And that was, that was the first anchor that we looked at, the anchor of hope. And that's where we also looked at a scripture in um, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19, where it says, we, this hope we have is an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, unchanging, that's what sure is, and immovable, that's what steadfast is. Unchanging and immovable. That's what we need in the world that we're living in that is changing so rapidly and, and is causing this great, great insecurity and fear in people's lives. And so this hope is an anchor to our soul. And we know, we know anchors keep things where they're supposed to be, no matter what the surrounding environment is like. And so this hope is an anchor. And, and the reason why it's an anchor, because we know that hope is founded in faith. Faith is the substance or the foundation of things hoped for. Faith comes by hearing what? And hearing the word of God. So this comes from the word of God. The word of God helps us know who God is and what he does, what he's promised. And we can have a confidence in that. And so we began to look at Acts chapter 27, where Paul was in a situation that was very unstable, uh, very fear-evoking. 
he was, he was in a ship, and uh, he was in a storm. And in that storm, things started to get even worse. And we pick this up in Acts chapter 27, verse 20 through 22, or 20 and 22, just to kind of show us what was going on with everybody on the ship. Because although they were all on the same ship experiencing the same storm, there were different outlooks. You and I are in this world. We're not of this world. The Bible says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And so you'll experience some of the same, same things your neighbors, your, your friends, uh, acquaintances, co-workers will experience that are not good because we're in this world. But we don't have to fear because we're not of this world. We have available to us, which everybody has if they choose, choose to believe, available to them, what can keep us secure? Now, before we read these things, I just want us to pray. So if you'd bow your heads, Heavenly Father, thank you for your presence. Lord, I thank you for the privilege and honor of speaking your word. I thank you, Father, for the privilege and honor of, of addressing the church. Lord, your bride, that we would grow and continue to develop and become that glorious church without spot or wrinkle. Today, Father, we thank you for your word and your spirit uh, that, that help us to recognize and receive truth that sets us free. Recognize and receive your word that is life and health. Thank you for healings today. Deliverances. Father, thank you for your word going forth today, and it won't return void, but it'll prosper in the way it goes. And that, Father, as your word, as we meditate on your word, we'll make our way prosperous. We'll have good success because we, we hide your word in our heart that we would be able to walk according to your word and not sin against you. Lord, thank you for the transformation for the illumination and the revelation that comes today in our lives. Father, I thank you that there's something for every one of us here today that would change us radically and eternally. In Jesus' name, amen. So in this situation where the storm, it was a hurricane, had caught the boat because they had, they had determined to go along on this trip because of things that naturally they had been impressed by. So they were being led by what they saw and what they knew. And verse 20, it says, and we did not see the sun or stars for many days. A very bad storm kept beating against us. We lost all hope of being saved. So this is where they are. They, they took off because everybody thought that would be a good thing to do. The circumstances and situations, there was a gentle breeze blowing when they took off. And very quickly after that, they were hit and grabbed by a hurricane. How many of you know that's a vast difference? And the reason why they got where they were experiencing what they did was because they walked by what they could see and what they could understand and what they could perceive. Listen, we're to walk by faith and not by sight. All right? And if we're going to walk by faith, there's only one way to do it, and that's walking according to the Word of God. Because the Word of God is the will of God. And it says they lost all hope of being saved. 
and just two verses down, you know, and it was on the same boat in the same situation. Paul says this, but now I want you to take hope. Doesn't that seem a little strange? You got all sorts of people that just gave up hope, and now Paul's saying, now I want you to take hope. I want you to be hope-filled. How could he say be hope-filled when nothing's changed? Because he was a man that knew some things, that had a confidence in some things, that he wasn't relying on what he saw or what he felt or what other people said. Folks, right now there is no lack of people in having an opportunity to tell you what they think. And even if you don't want to hear it, people will tell you what they think. And they can think anything they want to think. You can think anyone, anything you want to think. I can think anything I want to think. But what I think is going to affect how I live. And that's why the Bible tells us we're to take captive every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. Against the knowledge of the word. If there's stuff coming at you and me that is contrary to what God's word says, we have to take captive that. Because it's trying to lift itself up above your Lord and Savior. The one who you and I as believers have said, you're the one that runs my life. You're the one that rules my life. But all of a sudden something else is trying to run and rule your life. And if it's not God, it's not good. Hello? And so that's where, that's where we have to be intentional. We have to be willing to fight the good fight of faith and, and confront all of this that's going on. You know, people can say what they want to say. You don't have to receive it and you don't have to believe it. You choose what you're going to receive. You and I choose what we're going to believe. And so Paul says, take hope. Now, they had a choice right then and there. Am I going to go by what I see, what I feel, what my life experience is, what I've understood, what everybody else is saying? Or am I going to listen to and make adjustments to align with this guy that is in the minority? That has, you know, Paul, I said last week Paul had no sailing experience. He did. He, he, this wasn't his first shipwreck. It wasn't. He was in the deep for, for days at times. That was part of what, what he had gone through. So he had had bad experiences, but those bad experiences didn't affect him where he is right here and right now. We can't let the past affect our future or our present because it'll rob us of God's future. That's what the enemy does. He's out to steal, kill, and destroy. And so we need to, we need to stay tuned in and focused on and trusting in God. And so Paul says, now I want you to take hope. Well, we just lost it, Paul. We lost all our hope. Now you're telling us to take hope? Yes, because what was their hope in? Previously, what was all the people on the ship, what was their hope in? In man, in what they saw and what they heard and what they thought, all of those things. You can't have hope in that and hope in God. 
If I'm going to choose, I've got to have hope in something. A confident expectation in something. And when I put my confident expectation, my hope, in anything other than God, I'm setting myself up for disappointment. And that's what the Bible says. Hope deferred or misplaced makes the heart sick. And so we're doing, many times, we're doing this to ourselves. We're becoming heart sick, heartbroken, because we're putting our confident expectation in something other than God. And anything other than God will always have limitations. That means we have to do an evaluation. We have to do a reboot in our life. We've got to begin to look at what are we getting our confidence from? What do we have a confident expectation in? And if it's not God, we need to find out what God has said, what God will do, who God is, so that we can have a confident expectation in God no matter what happens, no matter what storm we find ourselves in, no matter how bad it seems, no matter how much things are coming apart. We're going to be just where Paul was. Now I want you to take hope. The Bible says, why so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. We've got to hope in God. There's no other source of real hope that's going to be able to see us through whatever we face except God. And so we began to look at, at what these anchors are. You know, these anchors, it says that in verse 29 that they were fearful of going on the rocks and so they threw out four anchors. And so what I've been sharing is about the four anchors that Paul had. These were four natural anchors, but there were four anchors that Paul had that kept him confident no matter what happened around him. Wouldn't you like to have that? That you have this rock-solid confidence no matter what's going on around you, no matter what people are doing, no matter what's happening in the world, no matter what a government's doing, no matter what's happening with the economy, no matter what's happening health-wise, you are going to have a confident expectation of good. I don't know about you, but that's what I want. I'm not seeing things getting easier, so I want to be prepared that I'll have a confident expectation no matter how dark it gets. And we know the Bible tells us it's going to get pretty dark going to get pretty desperate and so in verse 23 we started last week in verse 23 of acts chapter 27 to see the first anchor that that caused paul to have this hope why paul was able to say now take hope nothing changed but he's saying now you can take hope because this is what paul's perspective was this was where paul's dependence was this is what Paul had a confidence in. It says, For there stood by me this night an angel of God whom I belong and to whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You notice that at the end of this, oh, the first thing he says is, Do not be afraid. You can be sure that if you and I are, are, are experiencing fear in us, it is not God's doing. It is not God's will. And so he tells them right away. And many times when angels showed up, they were showing up because God had sent them there to, to represent him, to remind whoever it was that they were with, God was with them, and to point them back to God. And so this angel shows up, and, and he says, 
uh, don't be afraid. And I'm telling you today, every one of us, we need to really be willing to be honest with ourselves and find out where are we afraid. What areas of our life are we struggling with fear? Because that's the very area we need to be able to realign ourselves and refocus on who God is because the first thing Paul indicated was the first anchor of his hope, his confidence, kept him confident, secure, stable, at peace in the middle of this violent storm that they hadn't seen the stars or the sun for days. They were being beaten by this thing. People couldn't even eat. They're starting to throw stuff out of the ship. This is the kind of storm that he was in. And, and yet he had a confidence in spite of what he was experiencing. And the reason why was the first anchor was a confident expectation, a hope in God's presence. God was with him. And last week we looked at scriptures. We looked at a few scriptures. There are many, many scriptures in the word of God that affirm that God's with you as a child of God. God's everywhere, right? But we didn't know God and we were unaware that he was there. And so there was very little that could be done in our lives the way God intended it to until we became aware of him and welcomed him in and began to look for him, became confident that he was there. You know, there was a woman with an issue of blood that was confident that if she could touch Jesus, she'd be healed. And yet he was surrounded by masses of people, people pressing in on him. You know, the disciples were like his bodyguards trying to keep people from crushing him. And Jesus, in the midst of all this melee and craziness going on, this woman is crawling through the legs of all these people saying, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. And she gets there. Can you imagine how dangerous that was for her? Dangerous not just from being trampled. If they found out she was there and in the condition she was, they could stone her on the spot. But she was so confident. She had such hope that if she just touched the hem of his garment, she'd be healed. And she did. And Jesus stopped and he said, who touched me? Now, can you imagine that moment? The disciples are like, Jesus has finally lost it. What do you mean, who touched you? Who didn't touch you? Everybody's touching you. They're all reaching out to try and touch you. They're touching, they're touching, they're touching, but whose life changed because they touched him? One person, the ladies that was believing, had a confident expectation. And that's what, that's, he's there. I, if I just get to him, God's with you. God will never leave you or forsake you. So the first anchor is a confidence that God is with you. Now we're going to look at the second anchor. And we, that's the first anchor we have to have in our life. We have to know wherever we go, God is there. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. He's not going to leave you as an orphan or abandon you. And, and we looked at scriptures last week. But the next anchor is right after that. It says, there stood by me this night. No, 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 go an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve. This is the second anchor. 
of hope. It's about relationship with God. God is there, but what's your relationship with him? How's your fellowship with him? If you don't have a good relationship with somebody, how confident are you they're going to be there to help you? All right? And, and, you know, that's somewhat based on us. But listen, we have to have a confidence in a couple of things. We have to have, to have a confidence in who God is. Okay? If you don't know somebody, how confident are you going to be that they'll be there for you? No. And you know, many times today people just talk about God. Well, I believe in God. Really? What God do you believe in? A lot of people are praying. You know, I, I pray to God every day. What God are you praying to? This is really important because today there are a lot of people that are doing a lot of religious things, but it's not changing their lives. It's not giving them the stability and the security or the power or the strength to be able to uh, make it through these days without being overwhelmed by fear. And so he, he says, the God to whom I belong and to whom I serve. It's important, church, that we know who God is to us. And who we are to God. Identity. If you don't know God as Jehovah Rapha, what, what does Rapha mean? Okay, let's, what does Jehovah mean? God. Does anybody know what Rapha means? Don't be afraid. Healer. God our healer. If you don't know God as your healer, you're going to believe some of the lies that many Christians believe, that God puts sickness on people to teach them something. God does not put sickness on anyone. The enemy will. How about Jehovah Jireh? Provider. But it literally means, Abraham said this when he was going to offer up Isaac, you're Jehovah Jireh. The God that sees the need before it's ever, that meets the need before it's ever seen. What did God provide instead of offering up Isaac? What did he provide for Abraham to offer up? A ram. And that ram grew up, wandered into that place, and got caught in the thicket. He grew that bush. God did all of that before Abraham ever knew he was going to need that. That's who your God is. But if you don't know that, and even if you do know what it says, but you don't believe it, you'll never be affected by it. There'll never be that confident expectation when you find yourself in a place of need that God has already provided the, the, the provision before the need was ever known by you. But of all the names of God, you know, it's important that we, we recognize who he is to us. The most confidence-building name I believe that we could ever know of God is not about an issue or, 
or a provision. It's about his person. And that is Father. God is our Father. We, we sang today, you're a good, good Father. And I have to tell you, I know, I've been aware every time we sing this, that there are people that struggle with that. Singing that because of what the, the, the term, the title Father brings to mind because they've had experience with a human father that wasn't what God intended that father to be. And then projects on God what that natural human father was like and now sees God as that, one who brings pain or disappoints or abandons or whatever it is is harsh and ridiculing and demanding. This is why, gentlemen, as a father, we have a lot of responsibility in how we relate to our kids and to our wives and to, to other people. And, and the people would see God, not just us as, as men doing our own thing. <laughs> We're here to do God's thing. We have a massive, privilege of being referred to as, as dad or, or father. And, and it's because of the name. Proverbs, Psalms 20 verse 7 says, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. Some trust in chariots and horses. What's that all about? It's about how you can uh, fortify. When, when chariots came in, it was about power overwhelming the enemy. How many of you know we don't ever have enough power to overwhelm everything that comes at us? And so what's horses? Horses is about when that doesn't work, we take the horse and we ride off. It's, it's fight or flight. And some trust in that. But we will remember or trust in the name of the Lord our God. The name of the Lord your God. What is his name? There are a variety of names, but the name above all names in our relationship with him, is Father. In Romans chapter 8, verse 15 and 16, in the voice translation, it says this. You see, you have not received a spirit that returns you to slavery, so you have nothing to fear. Here it is again. God encouraging us, nothing to fear. Is God right or is what we're experiencing right? That's right. God's always right. That's why the moment fear begins to raise its ugly head in our lives, we need to realize we need to refocus. We need to realign. We need to reconnect with, with our confident expectation in God. And part of us being confident in God is that he's there, the first anchor, that he's never away from us, unaware of us, uninterested in us. But the second anchor is his identity, who he is. He's Father. It goes on to say, the spirit you have received adopts you and welcomes you into God's own family. That's why we call out to him, Abba, Father, as we would address a loving daddy. God's spirit confirms in our spirits that we are his children. Again, this is where the struggle comes because we've experienced what we've experienced in this world through people who 
We're supposed to be someone that God would use to help us learn about who he is and see what he's like. And we experience the opposite. And then we want to project. I, I just want you to close your eyes for a second. If you've struggled with, with experiencing something other than the love like God would want you loved and the support and, and the correction, the development, but not in harshness. If you've experienced anything other than what God would intend you to experience through your father or a father figure, God wants to heal you. And Father, right now, I know you can do this. But Father, I also know that we have a part to play. We need to forgive. We need to release. So that as we release that person, those situations to you, your healing can come in and bring wholeness so that we can recognize that's what someone did to us, but that's not what you'd ever do to us. And we can have a confidence in you. Father, I, I, I know you can heal in a moment, but I also know that healing can be a process. And so, Father, I just ask for all those in need, all of us in need of healing in that area, that you would, you would do what only you can do. You are Jehovah Rapha, the Lord God that heals us. And so we thank you for healing of hearts and memories and relationships. In Jesus' name, amen. But, but we call out to him as Abba Father, as a loving daddy. The Spirit confirms that we are his children. You know, the thing that we see in our society is we see children not being cared for by their parents. It's an amazing thing, and it's a demonic thing. And, and that's not the way God wants children to be raised. God wants children to be raised by two parents, a, a father and a mother, that would truly lay down their lives for that child, but also be willing to be loving enough to discipline and correct that child when they're going off track. We are his children. He is our Father when we receive Christ as our Lord. Matthew chapter 7, verse 11, again, uh, this, this helps us to understand that God's not like men. Who was made in whose image? Was man made in God's image or is God made in man's image? Right, right answer. Man was made in God's image, but the challenge that we run into in these days is that many times we project human qualities onto God, and we're making God in man's image. And the moment we project onto God human qualities or characteristics, we are not going to have a confidence in God. God is not like man, but man needs to become like God. We're supposed to be being transformed into the image of his son. We were made in his likeness, but we need to develop the characteristics of God. Not that we'll ever be God, but we need to be loving. 
We need to be merciful. We need to be kind. We need to be forgiving. We need to be patient. We need to be humble. All these things that we've already learned, these are things we need to develop because that's who God is. And we need to know that that's who he is. When God is patient, God is patient. It doesn't mean that, that the moment you get online because you experience this at the hands of somebody else, they, they called you out on it and they, they uh, you know, just demoralized you and demeaned you. God doesn't do that. We have to recognize that. Don't put those qualities on God. But it says, so if you who are sinful know how to give good gifts Give your children good gifts. How much more so does your Father in heaven, who is perfect, know how to give great gifts to his children? Wow. I mean, just think about that. He knows how to give the best gifts. Every good and perfect gift comes from your Father above what the scripture says in whom there's no variableness or shadow of change in Luke chapter 12 verse 32 it says this so don't be afraid little flock there it is again don't be afraid 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 today if you leave here by with fear you chose to because God's offering you and encouraging you Turn your fear over to me and put your trust in me. Have a confident expectation in me instead of confident expectation in what bad is going to happen. Fear not. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it gives your Father great happiness to give you what? The kingdom. The kingdom. Now, we don't, we don't, I, I say we, but I'm going to talk about me. I don't, I don't understand this the way they would back then. Because back then there were kings. Okay? They understood what a kingdom was like. It's where there was one person that was in charge. And everything went the way they wanted it to go. Now, under the kingdom, in a kingdom of a man, that could be, Difficult at times, but in the kingdom of God, God's kingdom is a kingdom of life. God's kingdom is a kingdom of peace. God's kingdom is a kingdom of joy. God's kingdom is a kingdom of victory. God's kingdom is a kingdom of health. God's kingdom is a kingdom of prosperity. Now, it doesn't mean it's, you're going to have no difficulties, but I'm telling you in the midst of those, God is going to take care of everything that's going on in your life if you and I will look to him and have a confident expectation in him. Because we, we, we believe. We know who he is. We know who we are. Who is he to us? Well, he's God. No, he's your heavenly father. He's a good father. And who are you to him? Well, you know, I'm just one of his kids. You are his child. You're, the Bible says you're the apple of his eye. This blows my mind every time I think about it, no less say it. I don't know how he does it, but we're all his favorite. 
loves you with an everlasting love. He's never going to love you more and he's never going to love you less. He loves you absolutely with everything. And yet we have learned love in a, a conditional way where if somebody does good, we love them. If they don't do good, we don't love them so much. But some of our family, they're still family, so we have to kind of deal with them. God doesn't deal with family that way. God loves his family. He doesn't love everything his family does. But he loves his family unconditionally, unchangingly. It's your, it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. The kingdom. Hebrews 12, 28, this won't be up there. It says that you receive the kingdom that cannot be shaken. When God gives you a kingdom, his kingdom, it's rock solid. Nothing shakes his kingdom. And so you don't have to be shaken. I don't have to be shaken. Hebrews 12, 28 we receive a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And so that's where we look in Matthew, Jesus' own words, chapter 6, verse 25 and 26, it says this. Jesus says, I say to you, don't worry about, there it is again, your life. That's pretty all-encompassing, isn't it? What you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will put on it, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Now this is, right here is where there's a real struggle that goes on in some of our lives. Because we believe the lies of the enemy. We have a confidence in the lies that he's told us. And so we don't have a confidence in what God tells us. God's word tells us. And it says, aren't you more valuable? Oh, but you know, I'm not so valuable because I've done bad things in my life and I continue to get tripped up with stuff and so my value kind of fluctuates. When I do good, my value's up there and when I do bad, my value's down. No, it's not. Only in your mind. The one who knows you best never changes how he values you. And, and how much does God value you or any human being? Well, you can know what God values you as by what he exchanged for you. And what did God exchange for you? His son. How valuable is Jesus? Priceless. I'm telling you today, listen, close your eyes. Don't think about anything else, but listen to these words. To God, who knows the true value of everything and everyone, you are priceless. That never changes. You are priceless. You're his child. He's your father. And you're his favorite. You're priceless. You don't have to fear. You can open your eyes. You don't have to fear. You don't have to fear. You don't have to fear. 
In verse 31 through 33, it says this. Therefore, do not worry. There it is again. Are you getting the theme? Just like we, we heard from Becky, the theme of Miss Lynn's video was what? Sign up. Are you getting the theme God has for you? Don't be afraid. Don't be worried. Be confident. Have a confident expectation of good of God. You can always count on God. Therefore, don't worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. Now, who were the Gentiles? They were the ones without relationship with God. They didn't have the benefit of that relationship yet. They seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God. Again, in a kingdom, who is the one that has their way all the time? The king. It's not the subjects. They don't, they don't make policy. They don't make decisions. They are under the covering of the king. And humanly speaking, that's not always a good thing. But in the kingdom of God, it is the best thing. God having control of our lives. God guiding, governing, and guarding our lives will cause us to experience the peace the joy, the confidence in the midst of storms because we know God's with us. We know he's our father. We know we're his kids. We also know that we are priceless to him. I have to kind of lighten this up for a second. So I want to tell you about a man that was shipwrecked. He was a multimillionaire. Shipwrecked. They didn't know where they had gone down. There were a couple of people in the small plane with him, and, and they were on this deserted island, and everybody's like, oh, my gosh, nobody's ever going to find us. And this one, one guy, the millionaire, multimillionaire, he said, you know, I'm, I'm not concerned. They were like, what do you mean you're not concerned? We're all on the same island. Nobody knows where we went. Why aren't you concerned? He said, well, I know. I know I'll be found. Who do you think is going to come out looking for you? My pastor will come. I said, your pastor? Why would your pastor come? He said, because I tithe. <laughs> that's, that's a conditional love kind of thing. <laughs> God doesn't love us conditionally. Wherever you are, God is there. He doesn't have to go find you. He's with you in it. He is your heavenly father. It's his good pleasure to give you the kingdom that can't be shaken. He knows what you need before you ever know what you need. And he supplies that need before the need is ever known by you. But he's taking care of it. But the thing we need to do is we need to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Having him rule in our lives and us aligning with the right ways of doing things. That's what opens the door. God is waiting at the door trying to get all this stuff to you, but he can't because we got doors closed. Or we're looking another way. But even at that, God's still blessing you. And you don't even realize it. I don't even realize it. I look back on my life before I really knew who God was and what he was doing. And I see God's fingerprints all over my life in great ways. And I'm so grateful that he wasn't dependent on me, but... Now that I can partner with him, things have become much better.
much better. And so there are anchors, anchors of you being confident that he's with you. But wouldn't it be terrible if you were confident he was with you, but we were, you were unsure what he would do? That's why the second anchor is confidence in his identity and your identity. Who he is to you. He's a good father. Who are you to him? You are his beloved child. That will never change. I'd like every head bowed, every eye closed. You know, the Bible tells us that when the word goes forth, the enemy comes immediately to steal the word. God has invested in us today truth. There are scriptures that you now have in your possession. You need to do something with it because if you don't, the enemy will come along to just kind of cause you to realign, refocus, and forget about who, who God is, that he really is a good, loving, heavenly father. And who you are to him. You're his beloved child. And when the enemy steals those things, all of a sudden you're, you're unsure. Oh, what's going to happen? Fear starts to flood in. You know, it, it's like we're in a boat. Our lives are in this world. And it's like a boat in the ocean. And it's okay. It's, 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 there's no problem as long as the boat is in the ocean. The problem is when the ocean comes into the boat. You have to guard yourself. I have to guard myself from allowing the ways of the world, the things of the world, the thinking of the world, the fear of the world to get in us. And so we need to build into us the truth of God's word, who he is, who you are, what he's said, what he'll do. And then that hope, that hope rises up and, and brings joy, strength, and peace, stability, and security. That no matter what's going on, we're rock solid. And people will look around and they're going to say, man, I don't understand. And, and just like Peter said, you're going to have people asking you. The reason for the hope that you have. The confident expectation. That exhibits itself in joy and peace in your life. Security and stability. But the enemy doesn't want you to have that because all of a sudden you get that, you do damage to him. And you become a great asset and, and, and help to the kingdom of God. Now, Father, I, I just, I don't even know what to do right now, Father, but you do. If you know you need to make some adjustments, which I know I need, you need to tell God today. I'm not asking you to raise your hand or do anything like that. This is between you and God because you can raise your hand all you want to, but if you don't follow through and you're not doing it for, for you and for God, then it's, it's not going to make a difference. And Father, I pray for every one of us. Father, give us the wisdom, the wisdom to recognize where the adjustments need to be made. Give us the courage to make those adjustments. And give us the strength, and you said you would, as, as, as we look to you as the God of hope, we have a confident expectation of you, and, and we grow in that confident expectation. We're, we're expecting to build into us more securely, more strongly, more fully, that you are our Heavenly Father who loves us, 
only has the best for us. And we're your beloved children. Your word says nothing can separate us from the love of God. You're always there. You always care and you always do the best. So Lord, help us grow. Grow in your grace and in your knowledge. Grow in our confident expectation of you. And we thank you, Father, for the good work that you've begun in us that you are faithful to complete because you're at work in us to will and to do it. Your good pleasure in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? Remember the sign-ups. There are things to be involved with and be investing through. This week, God has great things as he does every week for you, but not just for you, for the people that he loves that don't know him and don't love him or think that he's something that he's not. We need to be people who reveal who God truly is, not who everybody thinks he is. Amen? I just want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for every one of your children here. Thank you that as they go, you go with them because you live in them by your spirit. As they go, you have a plan for them that's for good and not for evil with a future and a hope. That future is connected to confidence, a confident expectation in you because we can trust in you. We trust in you with our whole heart, lean not to our own understanding. In all our ways, we acknowledge you and you direct our steps. Father, I thank you for directing the steps of your people this week. That when we see you do what you do, we don't call them coincidences. We know they're God incidences. You've planned them. You've prepared us. And, and you're providing for your kingdom to continue to increase. We thank you, Father, for this. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, have a great week.